0: It is unique and interactive book. God's not like that. Pastor and author Brian Clark points us to scripture on a step-by-step journey to identify and then correct our misconceptions about God. The next month, the My Bridge family will together read Brian's book for the first ever My Bridge Summer Book Club. People listening this morning, they might be going, "Well, how do I know if I'm off or not?" And, and, and you write clue that something's kind of messed up in our view of God is when we experience an odd reaction to something presented from the Bible. So, yeah, give us an example or two of that.
1: Yeah, so I think when the Bible talks about God being kind and compassionate, when it talks about God being good. Uh, you know, we sing the song in church, God is good all the time. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people sitting there. They're not sure that's true, that they react emotionally to that. Um, I was preaching through John and I got to the passage about Jesus being the good shepherd. I had a a very dear, committed lady in our church come talk to me about it. She said, she just said straight up, I don't think he is a good shepherd. Mm -hmm. She had this emotional reaction to that image that I'm sure roots back to some Something she has experienced in her past. Other times people fear, feel a fear or anxiety, or they just look away. They don't want to talk about something. You know, I've talked to people about God in my office and they, they laugh and I'll say, I'm just curious why you just laughed at that. And often they'll say, I, I didn't laugh. Mm. Well, you did. There's something about that that, that you don't think is true. Mm. People react in all kinds of different ways to biblical truth that often helps them at least identify there's something here that doesn't sit well with me. I would say as a pastor, it's one of the most common issues I deal with is people come in for, for a long list of things But once you get into the conversation, you start to realize they have a really messed up view of God, and that's just infecting so many areas of their Christian walk. But the challenge is, how do you figure that out? If I'm a medical doctor and you come in to see me and I say, well, I think you're sick and send you back out the door, that hasn't really helped you much. Mm. You know, you're like, I knew I was sick before I came. What's a similar dynamic, I think your view of God is messed up, I think it probably roots back to your family of origin but that doesn't fix anything Mm -hmm. so the intent of the book is to walk through a process identifying this is what you should have experienced at home growing up this is what god intended now you look at what you actually experienced and begin to think about how that might have affected your view of god
0: brian i'm affirmed by what you're saying is true in that this because i think I don't see god like my like i saw my dad but here's the thing by god's grace when i first came to know jesus like he just gave me this hunger for the word and i just dove into the word i just read it constantly and so god by his grace and what he led me into and as far as Scripture, really did create that lens that I was able to see God through. It wasn't that it wouldn't have, if I had not responded to the grace of God in my life that way and gotten to the Scripture to the degree that I did, I think I would have been another, you know, casualty, at least momentary casualty to what you're talking about.
1: So, first of all, you've been extremely committed and diligent. You've saturated yourself with the Word of God. So, there's a lot of things that reflect your determination to learn and to grow. Everybody's got a different story, but trying to figure out these deep beliefs about God that are really at an unconscious level, a a level where I'm not aware of them. I might have mentioned before, I'm absolutely convinced once you realize that what you believe about God isn't true, it's relatively easy to correct that. Right. The problem lies in those things that you don't know you believe about God uh, and How do I even figure that out? Sometimes it doesn't even have to be something that anybody did wrong at home. Mm. For example, I had been a pastor quite a while and was working on a series about prayer when I realized, I'm not sure I believe this. Mm. It rooted back to when I was a kid, night after night after night, I would pray for healing for my dad, but nothing happened. And it actually just got worse and worse and worse. So somewhere in my childhood, I concluded prayer doesn't work. If you would have asked me as a pastor, do you think prayer moves the end of God? I would have said, of course. Hmm. But actually, deep down, there was something in me that had come to believe it doesn't work. So why do it if it doesn't work? Well, once I've connected the dots, it wasn't that difficult to correct that and realize I, I do believe prayer moves the hand of God. But until I connected those dots and realized that was a struggle for me, I think there was a part of me that really
0: struggled to pray. Brian, what truth helped align you? Because you did still pray all those years and it still didn't, quote unquote, work. <laughs> Your dad didn't change. As you think about expressing faith, that prayer works works in a, in a right way. How did you resolve that?
1: In my late 20s is really where I wrestled with a lot of the stuff related to my dad. For me, the big step of faith was accepting I'm not going to get answers to my questions uh, that I Choose as an act of my will to believe God is good and He's loving and He's kind and He's faithful. But this was like kind of the residue, Mm. kind of a lingering thing that I didn't didn't even realize was there. Mm. I just always knew prayer was really hard for me. Mm. Biblically, you know, I'd been to seminary and (laughs) been a preacher. I knew all that stuff. But deep down, there was a part of me that just didn't believe it worked. So it was, I had the Bible knowledge. But emotionally, I hadn't really connected the dots to get it into my conscious mind to say, "Okay, this is residue left over from my life growing up. And I know this isn't true and I need to correct it. So correcting it wasn't that difficult. But emotionally, trying to get my emotions aligned with my beliefs was the challenge there. It
0: yeah. was part of it, the way that you process it to saying prayer works. It just didn't work the way that I wanted it. It didn't work the way I wanted to do that time.
1: Yeah. And that connects, just like you had said before with your son, it, it connects back to my belief that there's, there's going to be lots of things in life that I don't understand. I can't figure it out. I don't get my questions answered. I don't know why it has to be the way it is that's that's just I'm not God, I don't know all those things and and so, so as a pastor, I've gotten pretty good at saying to people, I don't know. I don't know. There's lots of things people go through I don't I don't know or understand. So that part of it I had settled. so this this just went back and connected with that that yes, sometimes God doesn't answer my prayers the way I wish he would but i know he still loves me he hears me cares about me i'm just not god and i don't know i don't know why some things are the way they are i had already worked my way through that i just hadn't realized that prayer was one part of that i hadn't really processed and understood.
0: Brian, again, we talked this morning that whether we are intentional or unintentional, we are creating a home with our kids that is creating a perspective for them about who God is and how he works. And one of the ones things that you talk about is if we're not careful, and no one would want to do this, like we don't do this on purpose per se, but if we're not careful, we can create a performance-based home. And you talk about some of the impact of that. I'd love to kind of hear your perspective on what does a performance-based home look like and what's the impact? impact that it has.
1: Yeah. So, I have a whole chapter on grace. So, how grace is is pictured or not at home. So, I would say that the world's operating system is a performance-based operating system. So, it's not that performance is bad. I think God wants us to do our best in whatever we do. But when my significance and my value is based on my ability to perform... I'm essentially trying to find significance and value in myself functioning as my own God rather than in my relationship with God, which is what he intended. Uh, So, this starts very early at home. So, one of the stories I tell is, is little Johnny's at school and he wins the spelling bee and he comes home and mom and dad are excited and they have a special dinner and they make a big fuss and little Johnny's pretty Pretty little. And in his mind, he's thinking, it's been a long time since mom and dad were this excited about me. Mm -hmm. So he starts to think, as long as I perform really well, mom and dad seem to be more excited about me, maybe love me more. So then the teachers reinforce that, the coaches reinforce that. Pretty much every environment reinforces that. So little by little, Johnny concludes if I perform really well, my mom and dad love me more. I have more significance. I have more value. And pretty soon we've bought into a value system that ultimately is going to destroy us. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's never a winner with that system. Mm -hmm. So without meaning to, without intending to, we've actually reinforced the world's value system. And we've taught our kids something that's not going to serve them well in life.
0: You know, Brian, as you're uh, just sharing about that whole performance-based home uh, versus a grace-based home, one of my ways that I give show love is through gift giving. One of the things that uh, we came up with is we call them Just Because We Love You Nights. It wasn't their birthday. It wasn't Christmas. It wasn't anything. And they didn't do anything. And we come home and we declare, hey, tonight's Just Because We Love You Night for Josiah or Karis or Shalom. And we put, put a special dinner, a special plate. They got, they got the gift. It was Just Because We Love Them. It didn't do anything for it. Don't get me wrong. We didn't do everything perfect. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I think that's a that's a great idea, and it's exactly what we're talking about. If you can help your children understand their significance and value comes from who they are in Christ, then they can interpret the voices of the culture. So you were a great athlete, so. Memorial Stadium is going to cheer when you do something great on the field. Mm. But if you've grown up in a grace-based environment, you can interpret those voices and realize this is really fun. This is great that God's given me this opportunity, but this isn't my identity. This isn't the basis of my significance. That's a tremendous gift to
0: give your children. Especially because… Those voices don't keep cheering all the time. (laughs) How do you process that when the voices aren't cheering anymore, right?
1: They might even start booing.
0: I remember when I was an athlete growing up uh, and I was in high school and I was through the discus and I didn't know Jesus at the time. I broke the state record during the preliminary throws. You know, the reporters, everybody came over and flocked to me, talked to me. Well, then we had the finals. It's one of those unfortunate things in the world where the top two throwers in the country, I was one, and the other guy was in the state as well. That me, he broke my record. And then all those same reporters after the finals, <laughs> they shuffled yeah. right by me, didn't even look at me, and went over and talked to him how fleeting the things of this world are. If our is based on those, we're in trouble.
1: Such a great picture, because that is how it works. And you see all these professional athletes, at some point they have to be done. And then somebody else comes along in their yesterday's news, they don't know how to be done. They don't know how to go on with their lives. They don't know who they are anymore. That's why I say there's no winners. You you can never stay on top. That's just the way
0: it is. Brian, before we let you go, what's your hope and prayer for this? I, is you wrote this book and I know you well, you didn't write this book for lasting giggles, nor did you write this book for monetary gain. You wrote this book to impact, to profoundly impact the hearts and lives of people. So what's your hope? What's your prayer of how what God might do with this book?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So After 40 years in ministry, my heart is to help people. Looking at things people have struggled with for 40 years, it's like, what can I do to try to help people? And in this case, it's trying to put something in the hands of pastors, counselors, Christians that can help them work their way through a process to formulate a more accurate view of God in order to experience the life with Jesus, their souls long for. So I would say, you're right. It's not about money. It's not about any of that for me. It's about, can I help people find that abundant life that Jesus promised? That is that is my motive for sure.
0: Well, Brian, we are so thankful that you've been willing to share two mornings with us this week. Your new book sounds like such a great resource. And we know the MyBridge family is going to get so much out of this summer book club. We're already encouraged by how many have already signed up. And if you want to sign up, you can go to MyBridgeRadio.net. Brian, thanks for joining us this morning.
1: Yeah, well, thank you. I really appreciate the partnership with MyBridge. And together, I hope we can help people.